The following Agio-supported podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please speak with your healthcare professional before making any treatment decisions. The guests on today's show were paid to participate in this podcast. Right now, we are at a podcast panel for Chloe's Anemia Parent-Patient Conference. A podcast was just conducted with teenage guest speakers where they talked about thalassemia and their experiences with it. Is everybody ready for this? Woo! Here we go! Hello! And welcome to this very special episode of Thou Pals, the Alpha Beta Revolution. Today, we are live at Cooley's Anemia Foundation's Family Conference in Los Angeles, California. Let me hear it from the audience because we're live. Big old praise. That is so great. My name is Amy Board. I am one of the producers of Thou Pals. And today, we are speaking to a room full of teenagers and young adults who are living and affected with thalassemia, I am very excited. I'm going to pass the baton to our wonderful co-host and our frequent contributor, Larisse and Ralph, please take it away. All right, well, I wanna thank uh, the three of you for coming on to our podcast. You are pioneers. We've never had a teen podcast, so this is very exciting for all of us, embarking on new territory, and I'm Really excited to uh, delve into the first few questions. So without further ado, I'm just going to ask all of you to introduce yourself. Tell us, um, you know, your name, your age, where you're from, and then what your thalassemia diagnosis is and how old you were when you were diagnosed and how often you get transfused. Um, my name is Shay Ghosh. I'm 17 years old and I'm from Tempe, Arizona, where it is hot, hot, and that's it. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm 17 years old. I'm in high school. I'm going to be a junior now. So I'm thinking a lot about college and yeah, it's a fun time to be alive. Um, in terms of diagnosis, I am a beta thal major. And I was diagnosed at birth with like the newborn screening uh, test in Boston, Massachusetts. And I get transfused every three weeks. So that's fun. I am on the Jodhneu Iron Chelator. And one of my favorite parts about being on a chelator is forgetting that I am on a chelator and then forgetting to take the chelator and then getting yelled at by my parents <laughs> for not taking the chelator. My name is Elise Gedney, and I'm from, I guess, outside the D.C. area, Rockville, Maryland. Um, I was diagnosed under, like, age one because we're not completely sure because I was adopted from China. I get, uh, and my thalassemia diagnosis is um, beta thal major, and I get transfused every three weeks, so that's fun. <laughs> A lot of art therapy to help get through that. Uh, I am uh, eighth grade. Oh, my name's Ari Chulani, and I'm from Orlando, Florida, where like Disney World is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get transfused every like uh, three to four weeks. I, I have thalassemia major, and I'm in the eighth grade. That's great. This question is basically going out to Ari. So what kind of an impact has thalassemia had on your family? Well, I have uh, two other siblings, a brother and a sister. 
that are 11 and 7 year olds and they both have thalassemia major so i mean the only thing that really like affects us is that if we're on vacation like we can't like stay there like long because like we get transfused like three to four weeks but other than that like my sister and brother they both have it so it's not that hard for us we all go together for transfusions my sister cries a lot but me and my brother just take it like a champ <laughs> <laughs> Agios is a biopharmaceutical company that's fueled by connections with patient communities, healthcare professionals, patients, and each other. Building on these connections and the company's unmatched leadership in the field of cellular metabolism, Agios is pioneering therapies of genetically defined diseases, a broad group of rare and more common diseases that are typically severe and life-threatening. Near-term, Agios is focusing on hemolytic and acquired anemias including sickle cell disease, pyruvate kinase or PK deficiency, and thalassemia. To learn more, visit agios.com. That's A-G-I-O-S dot com. All right. How open are you about talking about thalassemia with your friends? Do you feel that having thalassemia makes your friends or other people your age think of you or treat you differently? I'm going to ask Elise first and then Shay. Um, well, in recent years, I've gotten more open about talking about um, thalassemia. But like in elementary school, I would keep it, I wouldn't say hushed up, but a little more like quiet. I would only tell a few certain friends. Only like a few people in my class would know that I have thalassemia. When I like explain to them what it is after like, they say, oh, I was sent here maybe for like a transfusion. I explained to them what it is. And then they'll think, oh, that's super cool. You're so brave for like dealing with the needles and just going every three weeks. Do they have questions for you? Like, do they say, oh, is it contagious or? A few boys in my class would sometimes say that like, and I'm like, no, it's just a genetics thing. Can't get it. I definitely had an interesting experience with how I tell my friends or how open I am. It's definitely changed over the years. When I was younger, like in elementary school or like early into middle school, I was one of those kids who expected everything that happened to me to be the exact same experience as everyone else. So I'm an only child and by my logic, everyone else is an only child and it's the siblings who are the weird ones. But very recently I learned that's not true and most people have siblings and I'm the weird one. Um, but similarly, I was like, oh, I deal with thalassemia. So most probably a lot of other people also deal with thalassemia. And that's obviously not true. Um, but that was kind of how I went through life when I was younger. And I was very open about it since I was like, oh, everyone else knows exactly what I'm going through. But it was more in like late middle school and high school when I started not being as open because I had like one or two really just weird experiences that made me feel less and less comfortable sharing my own experiences. For example, in eighth grade, I had told one of my friends that I have thalassemia and that I get fatigued a lot near transfusions. And their immediate response was, oh, so that's why you're so slow in gym. And I'm like, um, no, but sure. And it's just experiences like that that made me just like second guess how open I was. And another really fun story 
from freshman year was I was a Make-A-Wish kid. So I sometimes will tell people that. And because it was a fun experience for me. Like I met President Obama. I was in a limo. It was so cool as a fourth grader. And um, when I told someone I was a Make-A-Wish kid, their immediate response was, why aren't you dead yet? So it's definitely been like interesting because like these are the same people who are friends of mine. Like it's not just random people coming up to me and saying these things. And I feel like these are the kinds of experiences that make me way more hesitant now to tell people. And I still like tell my teachers and stuff like that because I have a 504 plan, which makes my life so much easier. But it's just so much more hesitancy about telling new people, especially since I changed schools a few times. And like each time it was like, oh, I have to tell people all over again. And is there a reaction going to be a positive one and they don't care? Or is it going to be something that's going to like haunt me for the rest of my life? <laughs> I'm very open about it because I do miss school and people are like, why are you just like not here? And um, so I'm open about it and I like am like, okay, this is this is what it is. But there's always just like a little part of me that's a bit too scared or like a small part of me that will sugarcoat things because I'm so scared that they're going to like say something that even if they don't see there's something wrong with it, I know that it's going to like hurt me, if that makes sense. I feel like uh, in terms of like how like people react or like how they treat me, there are always just two polar opposites. Either they say these like really out of pocket things to me sometimes, or they forget because thalassemia isn't one of those things that's like visible to people. So they'll like just ignore it. And I'll be like in pain, like my back's hurting, my bone marrow's doing its thing, my uh, I'm super fatigued and I'm just not having a good day. And they'll just be like, well, what's wrong with you? And it's like, it's definitely a weird, feeling to have because it's like they're not treating me any differently than they would treat anyone else in their minds. But in my mind, it's just like all of these like battles, like, am I sugarcoating things? Am I really overreacting? Are they right? And stuff like that. There are challenges with having thalassemia, but many people also find positive things from it as well. What are some positive things that you may have learned or experienced because of thalassemia? And I'll start with Shay. I'm one of those people who likes to look at life as in every experience has shaped who I am today. And I feel like thalassemia is one of those things where I'm, part of me is really grateful for the experiences thalassemia has given to me because I feel like it's just made me a stronger person. And it's just truly something that's a part of me. It's not something that is happening to me. It is who I am and it makes me the person I am today. And I wouldn't want to trade that for anything in the world because it really has just helped me in so many ways. And one of the most positive things I think thalassemia has brought me is it has really shown me who I want to be as a person when I grow up. Because um, in Phoenix and in Boston, when I lived there, the nurses and doctors were just so inspirational to me. And just being surrounded by that like so frequently has informed my own decision to want to go into like medicine and to want to go into specifically hematology and oncology to like be the doctors that were there for me for someone else and stuff like that. So this one's gonna go out to everybody on the panel. We're gonna start with Ari. Ari, what really bugs you about having thalassemia? I guess like, I just have to take like 
I guess like that, like the day, like I had to take like a day, like just like go to the hospital like that. Cause like I could have plans that day or something. And like I have to be at the hospital or like, so like the, like the pokes like bother me the most. And like it bugs me the most, like what my friends think. Cause like, I, I can only tell my, like my close friends. Cause like, just like other people in my school that like, and like also my friends like say like, like, like when are you gonna get like the cure? Like when you like don't have that, I don't really know much about it, so. Um, I have to agree with Ari, like missing time or like missing school or missing events definitely bugs me a lot. Like all through middle school, I had so much FOMO because like I would miss events and like miss things with my friends. And I'd be like, I feel so out of the loop right now. Other than that, also like the poke was something that I struggled with too, because I have a lot of scar tissue because I used to get poked in my hands so much. And sometimes pokes won't work and you'll have to get poked like three times and I'll be sobbing as like a 16 year old or a 17 year old. And it's just, it's not fun. <laughs> and especially if you get poked several times, like I start feeling like a burden to the nurses. Like I feel so bad. Yeah, you know what, That that's something I share with you because sometimes, last time I got poked six times before they got the vein. And I was just like, you know, and of course they went through two nurses and you're just like, I just feel so bad for this nurse. And, you know, and uh, uh, I miss Matt wearing the mask at, at the hospital because now you don't have to, but my face just tells the nurse that, come on. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And like, there was a point in time during like the last year when I was so desperately terrified of being poked because it had just gone wrong too many times that year that like I was on anxiety meds purely for my transfusions because it was just so terrifying to me that like it could go wrong again. And it's just not a fun part to deal with. How about you, Elise? Um, well, I agree with uh, Shay and Ari a lot on like missing school because I've had to make up several assignments because sometimes a teacher, all my teachers will give like homework on that day. And then they'll, I also have to catch up with the, um, that week's work. So then it just piles up sometimes and also just missing events. Also, I think the pokes are like pretty much the worst because also what Shay said, building up like a scar tissue in your arm, it like will block the needle sometimes. Then sometimes you'll have to get poked like five or six times one day. Then that just really offsets the entire thing. And also I think just chelation, it's super annoying that you have to take like something every day, two times a day, all the excessive doctor appointments where everyone's just like, oh, how are you? How are you? How are you? <laughs> You're concerned. Yeah. It was a really good impression of a doctor's appointment. <laughs> but like, Spot. It's, it's just like, they're always wanting to like, like see how I'm doing, which is like nice. It's just like super annoying because everyone, because can you just look like in the past, maybe like what other doctors have said of how I am? No, no. So that, that, that always brings me that, you know, because when they ask me how I'm doing, just say fine. Because it's just easier to say fine and tell them what, what's really going on, unless yeah. there's something major going on, right? Yeah. So um, I'll just question, say fine. I have another question for all, all three of you, and I'm going to start with uh, 
we'll start with you, Lisa, because you're you're still talking. There you go. But um, if I had to go back in time and tell my younger self something, it would be not to sell my Microsoft stock and buy a car. <laughs> so for you people, if you were to go back in time and tell your younger self something, Elise, what would you tell yourself? Um, I would say just keep looking ahead. I know there might be some bumps, like maybe changing hospitals and after like you got really settled in at the first one. Uh, just say it'll be worth it in the end. You'll get, um, you'll have better care there about people, with people who know more about thalassemia and the chelation. And there are also a lot of fun perks on the way, like um, definitely the Make-A-Wish I would tell them about. And that eventually you could get gene therapy. So you will have to stop going to transfusions eventually and you can stop taking your chelations. How about you, Ari? Um, I'll just tell myself like to be brave and like like to get through it. And um yeah, and I'll just like um like tell them like it's gonna be okay like at the end, like what she said, like when I get older I can get like gene therapy or something like that. So you, you have two younger siblings, you tell them that now? Like it's gonna be okay, we're gonna get Yeah. Through. Yeah, totally. We have a lot of promise in the future, right? Yeah. How about you, Shay? Maybe I'm going to be mean to my younger self because a small part of me wouldn't tell my younger self anything because I feel like all of like the obstacles and all of like those sad cry sessions kind of helped me grow as a person. So I'd want myself to make those mistakes to like go through those times just to be able to build myself back up again on my own. But if I did have to say something to my younger self, it would definitely be to not forget to take your chelator because I'm so bad at not forgetting. And maybe if I had tried a bit harder when I was like really young, it would be easier now. That's that. Uh, you know, I love that answer. The obstacles is what made us grow. It's why Larissa and I are still here um, fighting for you guys. But um Keyler, do you have a phone? I do. I so, have like seven alarms on that phone, but I don't know, like they never align with when I'm eating because like I always have my chelator when I eat. Well, okay, I have my chelator when I eat, when I remember it. Um, and like the dinner is supposed to be my reminder or the breakfast is supposed to be my reminder. And then I have like additional alarms on my phone. And I always like, will just like be like, yeah, done, totally, I did it. And I'll be like, I'll keep telling myself, I'll remember to do it when I get home or something, but it never happens. You get, you got to set up a reminder that says, hey, take your key later before you eat. Like if it's a five o'clock, six oh, o'clock, seven o'clock. Oh, I have, have I have several. I always ignore them. And then my mom will like call me or like my mom will be like, Shay, did you have your key later? And I'm like, totally. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Not technology. You could write yourself a note. I'll figure it out. I'll string on your out. finger. <laughs> um, so for many uh, people with thalassemia, making the transition from child to adult includes taking charge of your own health care. Is this something you've started? And if so, what are your thoughts about it? So Shay, we can talk about like, have you started taking care into your own hands and managing some of it yourself. Yeah. So for a lot of my life, I've been pretty involved 
in my own care already. Like I was always consulted on what dates I wanted for my new appointment. And I like was forced to pay attention to what the doctor was saying when uh, they were reading like the lab results. So I've always kind of known what was going on and kind of been a part of the process. But recently, now that like I'm looking into colleges and like that's like on the horizon, um, I've been the one to fill my pill box uh, because I have a pill box for my chelators. Um, my mom's also been trying to get me to uh, fill my prescriptions on my own, but I kind of like am so bad at phone calls that I will physically run away from her when she's like coming at me with the phone, like go fill your prescription on your own. Um, but other than that, like setting my own appointments, talking to the nurses on my own, and like other such things are things that are starting to be put more on me and less on my parents. But um, I feel like it's a process, not just for me, but also for my parents, because my mom and dad definitely don't want to like let go of how involved they are in my life. Because like it's scary because this these are all things that like impact my well-being. And they're just as scared for me as I am for myself. And it's to such a point that my parents are like, they will move to whatever city I'm going to college in and they'll stay there for the first three or four months of like my freshman year of college because they want me to be as like prepared as I can be. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a huge transition. And how about you, um, Elise? Have you started managing aspects of your own care? Or have your parents talked to you about certain tasks they want you to do, be more involved in? Um, well, I, I think I have started taking a little more action in, especially with my chelation. Mom's not too happy about that because she always wants like either my mom or my dad uh, to at least help me, but I don't really want help. I just want to do it on my own, get it done quickly. And um, also, I think I've started taking a little more action with, like, talking to the doctors more often. Because also, they directly ask ask me the questions, so I kind of have to. So instead of your parents answering, they kind of mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Ari, how about you? Do you do that with your doctors? Do you talk to them directly? or? Yeah. Yeah, I talk to them directly and, like, she said, like, she sets up, for, like, her medicine for herself. I set up my medicine for me and my uh, siblings, too. Do you help them, or, or uh, do your parents help you, or do you do it yourself? Yeah, I, I just do it myself. Like, I know, like, what to do and what, what kind to do. And, and I just give my siblings, like, the, theirs, too. That, that was very insightful that you guys are taking, you know, some of your care already. And parents, when you listen to this podcast... Let your kids start taking care of themselves because when they get to college and they don't know how, they're going to be calling you every five minutes. So, if the, you know, once they hit that high school age, let them let them start advocating for themselves because we need to advocate for ourselves. I, we kind of answered this before, but what um, do you wish your friends knew about you know thalassemia and what? Well, basically, what what do you wish they knew about thalassemia that they don't know? So we'll go. With, we'll start with you, Shay. I feel like in terms of what I would want them to know is less so about words because there's only so much you can convey with words about what thalassemia is like. And I've tried many times and I always feel like I'm either over dramatizing it or I'm sugarcoating it and making it 
seem like it's not as bad as it actually is. So I feel like if if my friends could ever like actually live through like one day right before a transfusion the way that it is for me, that would be like the best thing because I feel like words are just never enough to kind of show them how I feel or like what I'm going through. And it just never does it justice in the way that would make them understand or feel the amount of empathy or sympathy I would hope to get from them. Yeah, that's a very good point. Have you ever taken your friends to transfusion with you? I haven't, mainly because I didn't know if that was allowed at my treatment center. Um, but yeah. Oh, can I add something? Sure. Oh, so I was also going to say that like, in terms of sympathy and empathy, I feel like it's there's like a really fine line between like having like that sympathy empathy bit and like crossing into pity because like that's the last thing I ever want. And I feel like that's also why it's so easy to sugarcoat things because I don't want my friends pity. I don't want them to see me as less capable because I'm not. I am fully capable of doing what they do. It can just be harder sometimes. And I don't know. I feel like that's another thing that I want to ex be able to express in like not a passive aggressive way to my friends. Like, I don't want your pity. Please stop. But also please be nice to me when I'm having like one of those not so great days. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. I, uh, I grew up with a lot of close friends. And the one thing that made them understand is that they came to the hospital with me one time and it really just opens their eyes. But you know, and I, I was lucky to have them by my side all that, all these years, still friends that, you know, I can't tell you how many times somebody took me to a hospital because I had a fever or, you know, and these are friends, not, not my, because my mother was working. But how about you, Elise? Do you um, want to share? Sometimes I wish like I could like just talk about like sometimes the soreness in my arm after um, I get infused because the blood gets pumped through there and then it gets super sore. But like, I feel like if I talked about that with them, especially since they don't have like the experiences I have with thalassemia, they would think, oh, that's a little weird. Um, they'll like think, or they'll just have more questions coming on. What I would really want is maybe to bring them to like one of my transfusions, but I don't think that's allowed. Also, I feel like that's kind of weird because <laughs> Um, I don't know, like, what their reaction would be for them to come and watch, like, the whole process. Yeah, that that's also a concern. What they what they're gonna do? What they're gonna yeah. see? A lot of people see a bag of blood and they're like woozy. Mm -hmm. How about you, Ari? What do you wish your friends would know about thalassemia? Uh, I just like I just tell them like the basics of it because. I don't really, I don't really know how I like to explain it to them, and I feel like they like, like I feel like they wouldn't know like what it is, like if I explain like the proper, proper thing. So I just tell them like the basic of what it is, and if I would take them like with me, I don't, I don't think I would, cause like I don't want them, like like uh, Shay said, like I don't want them to see like if I have like a like a bad day that day, cause like, just like, cause then they see like another part of me. I think. Yeah, they're 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 a part of you, right? They're your friends. So yeah. yeah, I mean it's good. To the best way to explain it, and I always go back to the apples. I always go back to the apples. 
like you got a red delicious apple, which is a nice, healthy red cell. And then you have that Granny Smith apple that doesn't look so good. So I always tell them, my cells look like that Granny Smith apple. So, uh, you know, so they don't work right and they don't give me enough oxygen. And then just leave it at that. But um, you guys did great. I'm really, really impressed with our panel. And I think, you know, weird up. Yeah. One thing, COVID changed a lot. And during COVID, you weren't allowed to bring visitors. You could talk to your nurse and doctors and see if you could bring a friend. Or if it's too much for the whole time, maybe they could come visit you for a little while during the transfusion. So I'm just going to throw that out there yeah. since we're talking about it. So we have a great audience. I've seen lots of nods in agreement, and I would love to hear from you all to see if you have questions or comments or if something really stood out to you and you want to talk about your own experience. So you could just introduce yourself. Um, hi, my name's Mary Claire. Um, I'm an incoming freshman, and I just have a question about, especially for Shay, because you're in high school. Um, when, like, I'm going to a new school and I don't know anyone there. And when I start making friends, like how would you suggest to like approach this topic? Or if they approach you about it, like about missing school, like how would you think about responding That's to that? That's a pretty good question. So I feel like it's very like subjective. Like it's all on the individual. Like you should never feel forced to share something if you're not comfortable with it. Like if someone is asking you and you really just don't want them to know, they don't have to know. This is all on your time schedule or on your timeline. And you should never feel like you have to share anything. But when you do want to share something like, again, it is just like, it depends on who you are and how you want to say it. Like I'm the kind of person who will make jokes about things to try and lighten the mood. So like, I'll start with like, oh, it's a blood disorder. And like, it, I just don't make my own hemoglobin and I get transfused. And then like, I do tell my friends that I'm like a new age vampire um, <laughs> and I just consume my blood in a different manner. It's just like, you have fun with it. Don't, you don't have to share too much. Like you, you get to set the boundaries for yourself. And it's very important to like, make sure that the people that you're talking to are like respecting those boundaries too. So yeah. Another question is like, how do you juggle school life, hospital life, social life, like the whole panel? Like, I wanna ask how you juggle all of that. Like, how do you do it? Oh, I have like, okay. I, so I don't know how it is in other states, but in Arizona, there's this thing called a 504 plan and it's for like any form of disabilities and that includes thalassemia. And basically what it does is it, makes it so that your teachers will know that you have thalassemia. They'll know that you'll be out every three weeks, every four weeks. And it makes it so that they have to accommodate you. So you can't be like uh, penalized for not being at school. You can't be penalized for missing an assignment. And if you're having trouble with like um, a unit because you missed class time, then they have to like help you. They can't just tell you to go figure it out yourself. And I feel like having that 504 plan and really advocating for yourself with your teachers, with your extracurriculars, and just making sure that you are the one to like go out and advocate for yourself is really important because then it makes everything so much easier to juggle because whatever is on your plate is on your plate in a way that 
you can handle. Like you can set those boundaries and be like, I cannot complete this assignment next Thursday because I won't have enough time. I'll be at the hospital or I can't make this track meet. So, but like, if it's a mandatory track meet, be like, I just, I can't do this. Like, so when it comes to juggling, it really is about like setting those boundaries, like being like, yeah, I do need extra time. Yeah, I can't do this. And just going with the flow that way. And each state, ha it's a federal thing. So each school has to give you accommodations. You talk to your school counselor or your teacher and say that you'll need accommodations for yes. uh, blood disorder. Yeah, you can go from there, but you'll be able to do that at your school. But the biggest thing is advocating for yourself and never be afraid to say that you need more time. Never be afraid to say that you can't do something because if you don't tell them, they won't know. Also with our illness being like invisible, do you ever feel like you get stigma for it? Because like with other diseases, like it's more visible, I feel like for certain diseases and ours being invisible, I feel like, like, do you ever feel like there's a stigma around us because like you don't see any signs and you, people tell you, you look just fine and you look, you look normal, you know, and you don't look sick. You don't act like it. Like, have you ever gotten stigma from that? Um, sometimes I feel like, few of my classmates they may have said like um oh you look like you have you're full of energy you're usually full of energy you seem to be you seem to be full of energy right now so you're fine yeah I agree with Elise like it's really easy for people to shrug off what you go through because they really can't see it and it's at times like those that you that it's really nice to have communities like CAF where you ha are surrounded by people that do know what you're going through and it can be tough like I mentioned earlier like things that people have said to me and it's just really important to remember that your experiences are your own and no one else can invalidate those experiences because no one else is in your shoes this is your life these are your experiences and it's no one else's place to tell you that that never happened or that that isn't what should happen the, the fact that thalassemia is invisible it's a struggle you're going to have probably all your life because even when i'm at work and stuff like that People just say, oh, you're so positive. You're so, you know, but when I have a bad day, they're like, oh, what's the matter with you today? Well, my blood count's like an eight right now. And I, I need, you know, I don't go into that. I just say, oh, I'm just not having a good day. So you just, like she said, make it your own. Make friends on your own. Make, make some good friends. And then as they become, you know, how friends become family, that's when you bring them into the fold and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I do this. I have this. I have that. But make friends for yourself. Be yourself first, because you're not you're not defined by thalassemia. You're going to define thalassemia for you. Okay. Thank you for your question. That yeah, was awesome. awesome question. Yeah. I'm Sydney Lewis. I'm about to go into the seventh grade, and I had a question wondering. You said that it was other than just you thinking that your friends might think that. Thalassemia is gross. What other things stopped you from telling them? Uh, sometimes what stops me from talking about it so openly is definitely what they might think like, oh, that's weird. Why are you so different? Um, why is it like that? Yeah, building on what Elise said, I feel like the biggest barrier is definitely people's perception of you. 
I feel like there really isn't much else of a reason to not want to say anything. And I feel like it's mainly those like few bad experiences that really define how we want to go about saying things or how much we want to say moving forwards. But it doesn't always have to be all bad. I feel like we always say all of these things that do happen that are bad, but there are always like those friends. There are always those people who are just so happy and just so there for you. Like I have one friend who will send me movie recommendations every time I have a transfusion because I just run out of things to watch. And that's the same friend who would send me cat pictures right before um, my like transfusions because I, again, went through that time when I was so scared of needle that those cat pictures really made my day. So I do think that like those few bad seeds do make it a little more difficult to say things, but it's also really important to remember that even though there are those bad experiences, those aren't the only experiences out there. Adding on to what Shay said, uh, definitely like, you can, if like, if, I'm sorry, if there was no school on that day, um, then my friend, one of my friends would always call me and they're like completely fine with like the background of like maybe the machine beeping or like the nurses talking. And I know they are not going to judge and will usually like play a game on the iPad or something over the phone. Have you ever had trouble making friends because of your disorder? Uh, uh, no, not really. Uh, they just think, like, I don't really tell them until, like, I get, like, closer to them. So if you get, like, really, really close, I I tell my close, close friends. So it, it's not a problem with me making friends. I, j uh, I just tell them when I get, like, really close to them. Same. Yeah, I feel like thalassemia isn't, like, a defining characteristic of who I am or who any of us are. Like, it's not like the first thing I tell someone when I see them or I meet them. I'm like, hi, I'm Shay. I'm like, thalassemia is never like the first thing I mention because it's just not that important, in my opinion, to tell people. And I feel like when you remember that thalassemia is not your whole being, it's not your whole like personality, then it shouldn't impact how you make friends because it really is just like one small aspect of who you are. And it, like, if anyone like doesn't want to be your friend just because of that, then they wouldn't have been a good friend ever in like the first place. Because anyone who like takes one small bit of you and is like, that is why I don't want to be your friend. Like they're not a good person and you shouldn't want to be their friend. Okay, so I'm lucky. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama and I'll be a writing senior. I just wanted to ask, do you ever get tired of having to explain what thalassemia is to other people? Because at my, like when I'm around people and when I finally get to tell them what thalassemia is, that I've gotten so tired of having to tell them what it is the point where I just say I'm anemic. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, especially when I've told them before and then they just, it just rolls right off their shoulder. And then they'll ask again, like, oh, why weren't you here yesterday? I'm like, I have thousands of like, oh, what's that? And then we'll start that whole thing over again. Also, just a lot of people keep asking it. I wish I could just tell all my friends at once when I'm ready. Yeah, I agree with Elise. I feel like it's when you're telling the same person over and over again, when it gets really tiring, because it's like, do you not 
care enough about me to remember this one thing I'm telling you. Um, but other than that, I feel like, especially when you're like in that high school stage, it's when your world is changing so rapidly because you're meeting so many new people, especially when you're like right off, like into college or things like that. And it's, it's good to remember that like people don't know things about you when they meet you. And like, it is an invisible illness. They're not going to know until you tell them. And if it is tiring to tell people, you really don't have to like everything is your choice. Everything is up to you and you shouldn't feel pressured to tell people things. You shouldn't feel pressured to say or do anything. So if it is tiring, then you don't have to, you don't owe anyone anything. Obviously I'm Ari's mom and I'm, I'm here because, you know, all three of my kids have thalassemia. So I know that they have thalassemia, but um, sometimes, you know, parents don't know how to react or don't know what to do or, you know, we might be too worried about you and we might tell you to sleep early and we might, you know, sometimes be a little bit more, um, you know, aggressive and do this and do that. So what advice would you give me as a parent, you know, as you guys are being treated? And I think especially for you, because you're the older one here <laughs> and as you, you, you kind of dealt with all stages and uh, <laughs> what advice would you give me as I move forward three kids, you know, in the teen years? Um, I feel like the thing that I would tell all uh, parents of patients with thalassemia is that you are doing the right thing. What you're doing is enough. And we are all so grateful for what you guys do for us because I know how difficult it can be sometimes. I know how stressful it can be sometimes. And I know that it can sometimes feel like nothing is going the right way. But just know that we love you all and we are so grateful for what you're doing for us. And we would be nowhere without you guys. And even with that in mind, it's also important to remember that we're all growing up and it's there's going to be a point in time when we need to take control of our own lives as well. And while it's really easy to want to be there for us all the time, our entire lives, there's going to be a point when we have to be able to do things on our own as well. So maybe taking a step back and letting your kids take the first step forward and taking control of their own lives is not the worst thing in the world. And that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. And you guys are young, but if you have anything to add, I know Ari had a lot to say to me, but. Ari, you want to add to that? <laughs> Any advice you want to give to your mom? Uh, yeah, free reign right there. Now's the time, but tell it. It'll be recorded forever. <laughs> Can't get in trouble. Uh, just like, I don't really see her struggle that much, so I think she's like doing like a really good job. <laughs> I think she tries to hide it from me when she is, but I don't really see that much. I think I think she's a great mom and she, and she uh, I love her a lot. And yeah, that's it. That's great. Did good, buddy. So you you heard it from them. Let them start doing things for themselves. That's that's easy. I mean, it's hard to do. I went through it with my kids. They don't have thalassemia, so you know it was just you know as. The process as they're growing up and they're starting to take control and the high school decisions and the college decisions um put the ball in their court you're going to guide them you're going to help them but ultimately it's their decision and you know I, that that's all i would would add as a parent I, I would just say you know it's time for them to fly and when you know they know when that they're ready to leave that nest and fly on their own but they'll always come back Oh, <laughs> I'm blown away. Um, 
you three are very wise for your younger years. I wish that I had that wisdom when I was your age. As a patient, as a parent, all of it. I've learned a, a great deal and I wanna thank you for being so open and willing to share because it's a risk always to share. And we're so grateful that you came on to our podcast. And um, I think, yeah, we're, I'm just amazed at your, your maturity and your wisdom. And I know you'll all three go far. Know that uh, there will be times you stumble. There'll be times you succeed, but you're not alone. You have each other. You have older patients like us, your parents, and a whole community that's here to guide and support and cheer you on. Um, so I want to thank you three for sharing and our wonderful audience and their amazing questions. Um, yeah, so thanks from the bottom of my heart. Shall we give a round of applause to our hosts and our panelists? Our audience. Was there a particular favorite thing that you heard today? The most interesting thing was hearing that, like, I was not, I'm not the only one who's a bit more, like, conservative about um, telling people whether I have thalassemia or not because I've always been a bit more tight-lipped ever since elementary school. Hearing people say like it's invisible and like it really is like when people say that it's invisible and I also have like mental health struggles so it's just like that's invisible too. Just meeting people who like have this disease and like knowing you're not the only person out there in the world is just amazing. And this conference has really opened that up for me, knowing that I'm not the only one. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.